sword. It's a laser. It's like a lightsaber. It's, it's accurate and it's effective. It transforms us and it builds us and it, it faith feeds us. It, it, it grows us. It even frees us and protects us. But you know what? We're not going to stop there because those almost seem like defensive postures. And God anticipates that the weapons he gives us are offensive in fact, the scriptures in one place tell us that we use, we use weapons in the right hand for offense and we use them in the left hand for defense. So we can't merely just be on the defensive all the time. God anticipates and expects we're going to be offensive in what we do. And so as we walk through four days in the word together, the thing that we hope the most is that we will be better equipped as followers of Christ, be better, better equipped as ministers of his gospel, be better equipped as those who bear the image and the likeness and the name and the spirit of God. That's what we hope. If you're not in a group yet, there's a list of things in the bulletin and on those web bulletins of places you can get locked into a 40 days in the word group. Well, we're like, we're like at week three, so we're like 21 days in, and we're like halfway through. That doesn't make any difference. Get in while you can get in. Uh, get in a place where you can get under the Word of God and grow in the Word of God and le- learn to use the Word of God because it's the only real weapon that, that, that makes a difference. It stands the test of time. In our lives, we have issues. We've got things. We've got thoughts. We've got philosophies that keep us from really knowing God. We've got, we've got uh, things in our lives that keep us from, from growing like we ought to grow, that keep us from coming under his lordship. The way we overcome those arguments, those things, those thoughts, those philosophies is with the word of God. It is a, it is, it is a powerful, powerful weapon. In the lives of people we want to see come to salvation, the same thing is true. The only thing that really makes a difference in our lives is not necessarily, although we, we should be a living example of the word, Okay, we should be the most compassionate people on the planet. You know why? The love of Jesus, the love of God is supposed to reside on the inside of us. But if all we do is good works and we don't couple our good works with the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth of the scriptures, all they are are good works. I can be nice to people and I can help people. But if I never really tell them who Christ is and how much he loves him, I have not helped them at all. Those create doorways for the gospel. And God wants for us to grow in them. The way we overcome is to use the word of God. He gives us other weapons, but the word of God is in, in the lives of people we want to see come to salvation, the same thing. We must win, we must disciple, and we must send. We must win the hearts of people. We must help them to grow. That's what the DT class are about. There's another class we're offering. For those of you, you know, we, we've, been, we've been trying for a few years now to get you to think about the fact that you are a minister of the gospel everywhere that you go. And if you don't feel quite equipped to share the gospel, we're going to do a six-week class that William Webb has developed himself, the curriculum for it. Every Wednesday night, we'll gather together. Not only will there be teaching about the, there's going to be practical application of that as a result of that class. That starts on the 11th of April. You've got to get into that. Because I, I talked to a, see these, see these flowers here around the, around the church? I, I have the privilege of, uh, of presiding over a funeral on Thursday. And these are left over from that funeral. Two things I noticed happened in that funeral. Uh, I got to preach the gospel, which is really cool. People who don't usually get to hear it, <laughs> I like that. And I, I got to hear a testimony of a guy who goes to church here. As we were talking, he said, Aaron, the thing 
that, I have, that impresses me most about being a part of Church Triumphant, about being at our church. I love it when he called it our church. He hadn't been here all that long, but he called it our church. And there's something about that that makes a pastor go, yeah. And he said, the thing about it is, I used to think church, it was completely separate from the rest of my life. I put on different clothes to go to church. And then before I get about the rest of my life, I have to go home and change. And then go do whatever, whatever else I was going to do. And I found out that it's, not, it's, it's more than that. It's, more, it's how I live. It's worship being a lifestyle. That word, that, those words we sang on the, the screen a minute ago, I, to take my life and let it be, it has to do with our lives being a total worship instrument for Jesus. It has to do with us praying all the time. It has to do with us living out the scriptures and expressing them, not just addressing them from a pulpit somewhere. It has to do with letting people know they matter to God. It has to be a thing of the word where we teach for transformation, not just to give information. And it teaches us that every believer must minister. The methods all have to change because we're just in a completely odd and strange and different society. But you know what? The core of the message never changes. Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ is the truth. And Jesus Christ is the only life. That is it. You cannot be a part of what God's doing and remain lackadaisical in your Christian walk. You must find ways to grow. That's what 40 days in the Word is about. Excellence honors God. Our lives should exude the excellency of the grace and the power and the truth of the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit is personal, powerful, and available. We couple His truth in our lives and allow His Spirit to speak to us out of His Word. and Things happen, and He becomes very real and very powerful and very personal in our lives. Those things are our core values. These are things we believe make us church triumphant. They're not there just to look pretty, although I like the way they look. The thing is the message that they express. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we live. And so today, as we're embarking on this journey, let's grab the weapons and the tools that God's given us. If you didn't know that video, those are bunker busters. They're powerful. And they're precise. I don't know if you noticed that little hole in that one wall. It looked like it was about that big around. Did you see that? And that thing, right through the barricade, man, right through the wall and took care of business at the target on the other side of the wall. That was awesome. But that's what the Word of God is. it is. It is accurate. It is active. It is effective. It knows right where to hit us. It knows right where to help us. It knows right where to grow us. And it gets past all the fluff and all the, the, the things that are between us and God. In Scripture, we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, a, a, few, a couple of verses, five or six, or about four verses, that we're going to look at today. We're going to look, look at 2 Corinthians um, 10, start at verse 3. I need my Bible real quick. Verses 3 through 6, okay? Going to be kind of a, our, our, our text for the day. And I don't know what's going to happen. I got completely off on a tangent in first service. I know you guys are surprised at that. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. New Living Translation reads like this. We are human. Amen, brothers and sisters. But we do not wage war as humans do. First thing I want to say to you. I don't know why some of you got involved in Christianity. I don't know why you chose to follow Christ. But if you followed Christ to go on a spiritual vacation, I'm sorry somebody sold you a false bill of sale. 
Because the scriptures don't tell us that. The first thing you've got to grab a hold of right now is that you are in a war. It's not supposed to be comfortable. It's not supposed to be convenient. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be anything but serving Christ and following him to heaven. That's what you got involved in. If somebody got you to commit to Christ because everything's supposed to be rosy and peachy and king and everything's supposed to work out and go, go your way, and that stuff, you've been told the wrong thing. You are in a battle. You are in a war. It is real. It is you know, what, you know what frustrates me? Is we are supposed to be followers of Christ. We let the smallest things get us off track. We let the most pickaninny, nitpicky things disrupt our Christianity. Now you don't know. I got for church this morning and the water heater was out. Satan's just chasing after me. No, you've had that thing in your house for 15 years. It breaks down. And you know why Satan wouldn't use that against you? Because he knows he can push that button and get you. Huh? My car, it won't, it's 25 years old, man. You, just give, you know what I mean? You know, and listen, we are in a war. And, and people who are in a war act like soldiers, walk like soldiers, talk like soldiers. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, Paul writes to Timothy these very words. He says, man, listen to these words. How would like to be this guy who's, who's kind of trying to recruit you? Uh, endure suffering along with me. Paul writes to Timothy. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. If you think anything else about Christianity, other than you're in a war, you're in the, you, you, you're, you're in the wrong thing. God promises he'll lead us beside still waters. And he promises he will refresh our soul. But you know what we need to refresh? Because we're in something. You don't need to refresh if everything's good and peachy king and everything's great. Huh? Am I telling the truth? And we, we, we play lazy Christian games. My, my cousin Brandon was here last week and talked about Ohio, the Ohio personhood amendment. And he, we sat and ate lunch after service was over last, last weekend. And what he said to me? He said, Aaron, you know what aggravates me? I'm traveling all over Ohio. You know what aggravates me? The church is lethargic and lazy. He call, he, he's made 80 phone calls to churches trying to get them to lock onto this thing we call life. To get an amendment passed that keeps our state on track with what the Word of God says. And oh, no, I hear some of you now. Oh, separation of church and state here. Okay, whatever. Get that out of my face with that. Because you know what? All of our forefathers believed that God was intricately involved in the process of forming this nation. So get that out of my face. I don't care squat about that. And those things were written so not that the church wouldn't get involved in the affairs of state. It was so that the state wouldn't get involved in the affairs of the church. So let's settle that right now. And he said, you know what? That makes me mad. And I said, you know what? It makes me mad too. He called 80 churches trying to get them to, 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 to lock on and tap into that. Guess how many responded? You know why? Because we forget we're in a warfare. 
we want it to be easy, and we don't want to create waves, and we, don't, we want to be comfortable, and we want everything to be. Listen, this is no time to be comfortable. I want to, I want to let you in on something. You read the book of Isaiah. Read the book of Daniel. Read the book of Revelation. Read, read all these things. We talk about a prophetic end time kind of quotations of Scripture. The Scriptures tell us it does not get better. It gets worse and worse. So if you're looking for something comfortable, something convenient, I'm, I, can't, I can't give that to you. And God's looking for his people to stand up and be what he called them to be and recognize they're in war and recognize they are supposed to be soldiers. They're supposed to wield a sword well. They're supposed to fight the good fight. Man, I look, one of these days, man, listen to this. The guy who wrote these scriptures, at one point he looks, he looks at Timothy. He writes to Timothy. He goes, listen, I have fought the good fight. I have run my race. I have finished the course. There is there now a a crown of righteousness laid up for me. Now, this is the part where it gets awesome. I really don't care about the crown. But Patrick, if I fight my fight and I run my race, one of these days, I'm going to cross the finish line. And this guy named Jesus is going to walk up to me, whom the Lord Jesus Christ himself will present to me. Goodness gracious, what is that going to be like? I am not wimping out here, man. I am fighting the fight until we get to the end of the road, brothers and sisters. The scriptures tell us this. If we endure to the end, the same shall be saved. That's what I'm all about, man. Just running the race, keeping the focus, walking the walk, talking the talk, and not taking no for an answer, but being what Jesus wants me to be, doing what Jesus wants me to do. Listen, we got to be about that. And I'm not blowing smoke, man. I mean that from the very innermost part of my being. I want to fight this fight. You know what's neat about this fight? Let me give you some encouragement now. And I've been telling you, it's been hard. I get it, okay? But listen, this war we were in, the last chapter of it is already written. God has already written the last chapter. Three weeks ago, I think, Jesse Cook stood here in front of you and said, listen, here's how you can trust the word of God. Because it is historically accurate. We can confirm what the Bible says through archaeology and several other things. It is scientifically accurate. Science proves what the Bible says is true. When people thought the world was flat, God said the world was round before anybody could know that. And you know what else he said? He spoke prophetically, and it's accurate. And if he spoke before, before things happened, he's still speaking now and has spoken that things have not yet to come to pass. Those are accurate too. And you know what he says? He says we win. The battle, the battle might be fierce, but the war's already won. You get what I'm saying? So even though we're in war, we win. You guys can do better than that. Because I'm not talking about the NCAA Final Four. And my guess is, last night when Ohio State was beating the pants off of Syracuse, you guys were doing better than that. I'm just guessing. We're not talking about a, 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 a natural, everyday, temporary crown. We are talking about the crown of life that the Lord himself shall give to all who make it to the end. Is that awesome? Yeah! I'll clip that net down. Thank you very much. 
And I love sports. I was kind of anxious on the edge of my seat last night as the game was winding up. My wife will tell you that. But it's not more important to me than Jesus. It's not important to me than finishing the race. It ain't more important to me than getting to heaven. I'll enjoy it while it's there. But you know what? There's something really else that gets my motor running, and that's knowing that I walk with the person of Christ. He has a task for me to accomplish, and he will equip me to do whatever it is he's asked me to do. Ah, that makes me tick. So we wage war. Listen to to Ephesians chapter 6. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Paul says we're fighting. We are wrestling. We are, ingrained, we are entrenched in a warfare. Do you get that? But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are in a war. We are in a war with an enemy who seeks to take people out. 1 Peter 5, 7 says these words. It says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, your enemy, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion, seeing whom he may devour. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you may have life. There is this very real enemy. There's this very real darkness around our planet. There's this very real dark world who seeks to take people out, who seeks to destroy lives, to bring death and killing and destruction to the planet. But Jesus came that we might have life. One of the amazing, I'll get ahead of myself. One of the amazing things that's happened this week is just the chance to preach the gospel, man. I, 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 get, I get in cycles. I don't, one thing you don't want to be popular really doing is like doing funerals. And I get in cycles sometimes where that seems like that's all that I do. One week after another, I just, <laughs> but you know what I like about them? I get to share Jesus with people who never come into a church. And I tell people right off the bat, if you're going to ask me to come to a funeral, you've got to know one thing. I'm going to seek to honor your loved one well. The more I'm going to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to try and make sure everybody hears about Jesus and the hope he offers. That's it. There's sometimes I can speak about, about the personal well-being of a person and who they were and where they came from. And there's times I just can't. So the only thing I have is the gospel of Jesus. That is it. It's the only thing that makes a difference. It's the only thing that matters. And when we're in this war, we've got to realize that's our weapon. That's our tool. We have mighty weapons. Verse 4 says these, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. Now, we read last week about Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's active and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And one thing that sets it apart is it can cut between not just, it can't just cut physical limbs off. It penetrates into the very core of who we are, and it can separate our soul from our spirit. It can determine our motivation and, 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 our, and our heart that nothing, nothing else can do that. No scalpel is sharp enough. No sword is accurate enough. No piece of technology can do what the Word of God does. It's quick. It's powerful. It's strong. Ephesians 6 says these words. Put on, the helmet of, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So what we know about these weapons is they are powerful, they're capable, and they're competent. One thing I love about watching that video is, is, is those, those, are, those are some things, American, American service guys, uh, they get to use really effective and powerful and good weapons. But you know what? They're not as effective as the Word of God. The Word of God, given place, can take out the Taliban. Better than any M16, better than any laser-guided missile, 
Better than any bunker buster, the word of God, get into the heart of a person, can alter the life of a Taliban. Nothing against our dudes, man. I love those guys. I've got a, we've got a bunch of them that are part of this church, man. And I pray for them, seek, seek God for them, and pray for them. But I'm telling you, the biggest weapon any of our guys have who are serving Christ is the word of God. That's awesome. And it, it, it changes lives. It, it, it alters perspectives. You know what I think? The weapons of the world are learning and personal influence, impressive credentials, rhetorical polish. Paul discounted all of those. Read Philippians 3. He said, man, I've thrown all that away. It's all, I'm not real traditionally religious. And Paul, in Philippians 3, he calls that stuff, I'm going to call it what he called it. He said it's crap. I like Paul, man. He didn't make no bones about stuff. It's garbage. It, it doesn't make a difference. Those weapons don't help us. But you know what? Huh. He did not wage war as the, world, as the world does or use their weapons. The weapons Paul used were the proclaimed word of God and prayer. Weapons with divine power. Man, I love the way the Bible Exposition Commentary says that. He said they're powerful, they're capable, they're competent. Now what I like about these weapons is these weapons blow things up. It's in the scripture. Let's keep reading verse 4. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts. It teaches them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Those are strong words. Are those strong? These words, it says, it says we, we demolish, we knock down. Those words in the Greek language, the definition of that word, I don't even try to pronounce it to you because I'm not very good with Greek anyway, and it wouldn't make any difference to you because you guys don't speak Greek. But the definition of the word means to weaken or to destroy. I like this word, to make less able. Make less able. What? Strongholds, the word is what, is what Paul uses here. It means to be something that's fortified. A few months, a few weeks ago, we built a wall here talking about the Word of God and how it's a solid foundation we can stand on. And, and, and the week after that, Jesse talked to you about how you can stand on it because it's trustworthy, it's, it's strong, it, it withstands things. And he stood right up there on top of the, the mountain, so to speak, and proved to you that it, it's not going anywhere. And that's a good foundation. But a lot of us find ourselves stuck behind walls that God never intended for us to be stuck behind. We find ourselves stuck in things, imprisoned, captive by things. Most of the time, it has to do with these, these, these inches right between these two things we call ears. And we are trapped by the things that we think, by the philosophies we've been taught, by the things that have been spoken to us and over us over long periods of time. Some of us have dealt with things like you were an accident, Listen, not according to God. And you've got a stronghold in your life because you think you're worth nothing because you're not supposed to be here. And our culture doesn't help you because they will tell you you climbed up out of some slimy sludge somewhere by some crazy, weird, just the right conglomeration of chemicals and temperature. You know what I'm saying? But the Word of God is more powerful than that. And if you're stuck behind that wall, you, you have to know something. You have a creator. 
He knew you before you were formed, before the foundation of the world even, one scripture says, he knew us. So you're no, you're no accident. If the creator of everything knew you before you were formed, before even the world took shape, brother, you got hope. You don't have to live behind that wall anymore. Are you hearing me? I love, I heard Rick Warren say something the other day, just tripped me out. He said, people, well, the word of God, think about the word of God, how powerful it is. Think about the stronghold of evolution and all of that stuff. The God, there was nothing here. Nothing. There wasn't oxygen. There, 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 there wasn't water. There, there, there wasn't, there was nothing. It was just great nothingness. And the scriptures tell us that God spoke into nothingness. His word marched into nothingness, marched into darkness. His word, he spoke. And where there were no protons, where there were no neutrons, where there were no atoms, where there was nothing of matter, God says, let there be whom and things shall. That word is alive, and that word is active. It is effective. You know, I started thinking this week, I was processing this. When God said, let there be light, something else didn't show up. When God said, hey, let there be trees, birds didn't appear. When God said, let there be cows, you know, ants didn't start screwing around. When God said, let there be whatever, fish in the sea, snakes didn't start wiggling around. You know what I mean? When God's word is so effective and so powerful, it speaks into nothing, and it does exactly what it's supposed to do. Rick Warren said earlier this week, I heard he, he said, he said, some people have problems with, with, with the Big Bang. He said, but you know, if there's nothing, and suddenly light appears into nothingness, bam! So I have no problem with the Big Bang. The only thing the Big Bang proves is that there's a Big Banger somewhere. So when that much power becomes suddenly available, there's got to be something that goes on. You know what I mean? <laughs> huh? I mean, just, there it is. So if you, God is, is bigger than all that argument. He's, they used to say, well, you know, in the Red Sea, there's, there's this uh, natural sandbar, you know. So it wasn't that big of a miracle. Okay, maybe there is a natural sandbar there across the Red Sea. One way it's a miracle or the other. Either it's deep enough and a big deal for God to split it to get people across, or he drowned the, the, the whole Pharaoh's army in six inches of water. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Let's diffuse that argument right now. Huh? So what are these strongholds? These strongholds are human reasoning. These strongholds are arguments. These strongholds are obstacles that keep people from knowing God and knowing him better. Some of you sitting here right now have walked with Jesus for a long time, but you've stayed living behind these walls that keep you from knowing God the way he wants you to know him. Some of you live behind the block walls of addiction, and there's this place where you really want to know God as liberator, and, but you've not yet gotten there yet. You, you, you are blocked. You are, you, are, you are kept from understanding him as your, 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 your freer. You're, 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 you're the guy who, who sets you completely free. Some of you are, are, are locked behind walls that, 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 that tell you that, 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 that there's no hope. And God says, you know what, I gotta, I'm better than that. He, 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 those arguments. When you're talking to somebody about the Lord, the best thing you can give them is not your opinion. The best thing you can give them is the word of God. I talked about this funeral I did this week, these flowers. Jack Hooks is sister was found laying dead in her home last Saturday afternoon, evening. 
And she was a well-educated lady, graduated from OSU, master's degree, worked and retired from OSU. And Jack, if you guys know Jack, over the last three or four years, man, he's just blossomed in the things of the Lord. And he, he loves talking about Jesus, and he wants everybody to know about this person called Christ. And he was a very good Presbyterian for a while and thought everything was good. And then God began to show him, maybe you're not right where you need to be. And suddenly a living, growing live relationship with Christ comes on the scene. And he'll talk about Jesus at Rotary Club meetings and all sorts of other things. And he desperately wanted his sister to come to know Christ. And she's educated. She knows all the arguments. She has all the knowledge. She understands all that stuff. She had worked in, in, for, for women's rights issues. And, and she, had, she had been a part of the Cheetah Conservation somewhere where she saved cats and made several trips to, to Africa. And, and she was involved. She was actually involved in the process of getting the ban on smoking out. Of, and she, she was one of the intricate people in making that happen and all that sort of thing. I mean, she, she, she knew her stuff. About four weeks before she passes away, Jack and her are eating dinner, and Jack's praying for her. He's been trying to speak to her. He's been trying to talk to her. And as they're talking, out of the blue, she just goes like this. You know, I've come to kind of understand that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jack said, do what? As they went through her home on Sunday afternoon, they found a book called Heaven is for Real that she had been reading. They didn't actually find an actual Bible, like a leather-bound book in her house, but they had found where she'd been printing scriptures off the computer and had them laying around her house. Last Friday evening before she passed, her brother and Rick talked on the, her brother Rick and her talked on the phone. I don't know where Rick's at spiritually. I don't think he's really anywhere, honestly, but that's my opinion. And, but she began to tell him the same thing she told Jack for Weeks earlier, on Saturday morning, she died of heart failure. Wow. See, somebody, the arguments, the debate, the understanding, it does not, it cannot thwart the power of the Word of God. The Word of God is substantial, it's strong, it's powerful, it, it makes a difference. And so we got to keep knocking those strongholds down. The only way to overcome reasoning and, and arguments is with words. You know that. That's why we have debates politically and different things like that. The way you overcome is with, but you know what's amazing? We just don't have some words. We have the word, the final word that ends all other words. We have the word, not just a word. The word we have is the word. You get what I'm saying? These are not just some mamby-pamby thoughts. This is not some vain th philosophy. This is not some ideology. This is life, and it is hope, and it is strong. Man, God is good. Things that exalt itself against the knowledge. Two knowledge makes men humble. Where there is exaltation of self, their knowledge of God is wanting. Bring every thought into captivity, the obedience of Christ. That is to obey Christ. The three steps of the apostle's spiritual warfare are demolish what is opposed to Christ, lead captives, bring into the obedience of Christ. The reasonings are utterly cast down. The mental intents are taken, taken willing captives and tender the voluntary obedience of faith to Christ, the conqueror. That's what Jameson Fawcett Brown say about that. They're, they're, these words are powerful. They're strong. They, they pull down the strongholds. Well, think about how powerful these things might be. In the Old Testament, we got guys who, who listen to the Word of God, apply the Word of God, and great things happen. These weapons are powerful. This, this war is real. Moses is a guy who stutters. 
And this was amazing. And, and he, God gives him a commission, speaks to him, tells him to do something. And he marches into the greatest superpower on the planet, into the court of the Pharaoh. And what is he armed with? A staff and his mouth. A shepherd's staff and his mouth. That's what he, he walks in. And what does he say? God says, let my people go. God spoke, let my people go. That's all he was armed with. And then Pharaoh hardens his heart, but God keeps adding credence to his word, adding truth that this is his intention, this is his will, this is his purpose. And by the mere utterance of words and action upon God's word, applying the word that God spoke, one thing after another starts falling down in Egypt until the whole thing succumbs to the will of God. Think about Joshua. Joshua is armed with this. He's getting ready to cross into the promised land. He's getting ready to cross in, into, into, and to fight the good fight in the warfare to achieve the promise. And they, they, they march in, and the night before they march in, he's met by the captain of the Lord's army. And, and he tells him what? Be strong and very courageous. Don't let these words depart from your mouth. You meditate upon them. Be, you will be successful where I send you. Just take these words and run with them. And God gives, gives Joshua explicit directions. And they go march around the, the walls of this city so big that they have chariot races on top of the walls. And he says, just listen and apply my word. Just listen and apply. Walk in my word. Wield my word. Joshua and the guys, they do their laps for six days, do seven laps on the last day. They just merely apply the word. And Jesse told you a few weeks ago, what we know archaeologically is the walls of the city of Jericho came crumbling down and the city was burned just like the Bible said. There's a guy named Gideon, only has 300 guys with him. By acting upon the word of God, they thwart 10,000s of Midianites. Think about a guy named David. I had a really good object lesson last week, last service. I don't see one right now. Todd, will you come here? Not this Todd. I'm sorry. Todd Jones. Brian. Maybe you're not the, good, maybe you're not the best one. Let me look around. Brooks. Brady. Can you come here? Come here. My dude. Oh, both of you, come on, come on, come on up here. I want you guys to stand right here. Now imagine, in the scriptures we have this guy named David who's armed with nothing but what he believes God has spoken to him in his heart about what God's intentions are for the children of Israel. There's this argument being tossed about by a guy named Goliath. Where is your God? You dogs. He screams and he hollers and instills fear. And David, this little scrawny fella, look over here at this. You guys look at these guys. And he, he's heard enough. And the word of God is so alive on the inside of him that he says, You uncircumcised Philistine, today is the day you will die. You will not. And he, all he has is a little sling. This guy is dressed in armor. The Bible says he's got a spear the size of a weaver's beam. This little fellow, or one of these little fellows, has nothing but a leather pouch, some rocks, and a leather sling. That's all that he's got. And he knows the word of God. And when nobody else is willing to act on the word of God, David marches out. And you guys know the rest of the story. 
is the word of God effective? Is the word of God powerful? Huh? He's like, dude, yes. Hit the rock one. Blow it up, man. Yeah. And big guys like him fall, right? Because the word of God is true. Because it's powerful and effective. Blow it up, man. You guys can be seated. All right. Listen. Jehoshaphat goes into the valley. There be seeds before and about and all around. And he asks of the Lord, and the Lord gives a word and says, send forth the worship people. I don't know if Patrick signs up for that gig or not. Or Todd. Yeah, Patrick probably does. He's just like looking for, hey, let's just go find something manly to do. <laughs> and they go marching out. And by the word of God, the enemies of Israel are thwarted. Now, that's physical warfare. All of those things we've talked about are physical warfare. But let's talk New Testament real quick. Let's, let's, let's do that. There's this guy named Jesus who, number one, by the word of God, is conceiving the, the, the womb of a virgin. How effective and powerful is that? You know what I mean? And then he goes around healing people who doctors can't heal by the word of God because he is the word of God. He goes about saving lost people and giving them hope and strength and life. And the guys who would follow him, suddenly they find out this is absolutely true. And there's this guy named Peter who merely on the words of Jesus step out of a boat and walk out on water. God gave Peter solid footing to stand on in the middle of a storm on water because of his word. There's these people called the apostles, and they have no technology. They have no cell phone. They have no internet. They have no wire phone. They have, they have no ways of really communicating except themselves and their feet and their mouths. And within a span of about 35 to 40 years, these 11 or 12 guys take off and, and by the power of the word of God and applying the work of it to their own lives, they change the known world. There's this guy named Saul who is completely zealous about what he believes in. He's completely lost, and he's completely hateful, and he's completely evil. And one day, he's on about his business, and God speaks one word to this guy named Saul, and suddenly his life whoo, is transformed by the power of the word of God, and he becomes Paul the apostle who would take all the gospel to the Gentile nations when nobody else could do it. That is the power of the active and alive word of God. You can, yeah, it's better. You can do that. You can. Listen. Think about this. You today live in the world, the year 2012. God promises, I told you earlier, that, 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 that as times grow bleaker and darker, as the things approach the end. Even after all those apostles, after Moses and Gideon and Joshua, after Peter, James, and John, when things get the darkest, guess who God chose? Look at your neighbor and say, you. Because we're living right now. Gross darkness might cover the people, but Isaiah 60 says, rise and shine for your light has come. That's the word of God for us. And ultimately, the biggest battle that will ever be won will be won because we get to fight the battle. We get to run the race. 
The ultimate victory is still on the horizon, and people armed with the word of God, you and me, and all those who call on the name of the Lord and live for him, will get to see the culmination of the greatest victory there has ever been. Jesus said these words, this gospel shall be preached to the nations, then the end will come, and he's talking about you, and he's talking about me. Woo! That may not excite you, but brother, I get to be all revved up. I can hardly stand myself. Out of all the people on the planet, of all the good Christians that stood that, that, that lived before me, God chose me to live right now. Why? What is that? I'm nothing. But I love his word, and I love him, and I love his Holy Spirit, and I love his gospel, and I love his people. And brother, I just want to do it. I just can't believe I get to be a part of the kingdom of God right now. That's crazy. There's these bunkers, these walls that God wants to tear down. He wants to send his missile through the wall and tear it down. Show a video real quick, guys. We have much more capable weapons in our inventory. I've been told that if I do something correctly, I can do some damage. If I know how to wield the weapons God's given me, Depression can't stand. If I know how to do what God said do, I probably should have warned you guys to wear steel toes. Nancy Carter was sitting right there first service, and her feet kept going about further and further back underneath the pew. If I know how to do what God wants me to do, then distortion of the truth, it can't stand. If I know, here's, a, here, here's something really important. I was just taught how to do this appropriately by a guy who's skilled in it. This did not go that well the first service. <laughs> and so if I learn how to do that, I can take the wall down. If I learn how to wield the weapons God's given me, if I learn how to, and here's, here's the thing. Some of us think it's going to be an overnight issue. Like tomorrow I'm going to wake up and everything's going to be different. If it was going to be that, Peter would not have uttered the words, be sober, be vigilant. You're looking for a quick fix. Jesus don't want a quick fix. He wants a transformed life. And the only way you get transformed is by applying the word day in and day out. Working it, man. Working it. So what's your deal? Is it discouragement? Huh? It can come out too. The Bible, in Joshua chapter 1, God looks at Joshua, and he's in the middle of the battle, and the heat is fierce, and it's bad, and he's like, you know what, I don't know if we can do this. That wall was big. And you know what he looks at? He says, he looks at Joshua, speaks to him, and goes, be strong 
and very courageous. Be bold. The Lord your God is with you. Right now, I don't know what, I don't know what discourages you, but whatever you're in, I want to tell you this. The Bible tells us that, 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 that God is with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never leaves us hanging. He is with us. You can be bold and you can be courageous because he is true to his word. He is true to his character. And if he says he doesn't leave, he doesn't leave. What are you discouraged about? The God of heaven fights for you. He is with you, and he loves you. Man, this is much easier when you know what you do. Some of you need a mentor. Some of you need somebody around you who wields the word of God well, who can show you exactly where to hit the thing. I had this chisel after during first service, and my hand is so sore right there, I don't even know what to say. But right now, this is easy. You know why? Because I learned from a master how to do it. Somebody who knows what they're doing. Some of you refuse to get involved in connection groups, and you wonder why your life is messed up. You know why? You don't get personal contact with somebody who knows how to wield the Word of God well, and you keep fighting the same battle, and you're wearing yourself out, and things are getting messy and ugly, and you can't win because you don't know how to wield the weapon you've been given. Well, if I learn how to do this thing correctly, I can grab that dude, and I can pop that thing out of there. Disconnection. Some of you felt like there's just no place for you to fit. Let me say something to you. There's always room at the foot of the cross. God has a place for you. You may feel like you didn't fit in your family. You never fit in at school. You never fit in at work. You never fit in anyway. There's a place in the body of Christ for you. You can find a new family. You can get connected to a new hope and a new strength. You don't have to stay out there anymore. Yeah, and I mean this. And I know this is kind of crazy, but you know what? It gets the point across, don't it? Huh? Me, I'm a visual guy. I like to learn visually. I'll do as much as I can. There's nothing on this. Well, I'll just jerk this bad boy out. It ain't nothing anyway. Huh? It ain't nothing? Is it anything? This first one I got about right here, and I started hammering. This whole thing came loose. I was like, wow, did I do that? Really? That's awesome. You know what? I can do all things <laughs> Look at that, would you? I didn't even mean to do that. Look at that. Huh? It comes down. The wall comes down. Huh? Come this way? Look. Go this way? Huh? See? It comes out. Huh? I don't even know what to do with this one. Where's my... I'm going to need your help. Here, take this. Listen, what's your deal? Huh? What's the wall you build around yourself? Maybe for you, you have chronic problems with depression. Maybe you've got chronic problems with disease. Maybe you've got chronic problems with things like that. Listen, the word of God is sufficient. It'll give you hope in spite of yourself. When you don't have hope, think about this. The word of God does what it's supposed to do. There is healing for those who are broken. There's help. Are you okay? I thought he hurt himself. I wasn't looking. Disappointment. Some of you are disappointed. Listen, the Bible says in Romans 5, the hope that God provides does not disappoint. 
God is your hope. He is your strength. If you're disappointed for some reason, that 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 place of disappointment, that bunker of disappointment that you've lived behind all your life, nothing sorts out the way it's supposed to. Nothing works out the way, it's, the way I want it to. And you, get, you become discouraged and frustrated. God can eliminate the disappointment. What about disease? Listen, what's the worst thing that can happen to you if you die? I mean, if you, you get sick, you die, right? But if heaven's your home, what difference does that make? You see what I'm saying? Do you understand? See, that's, that's, that's how the word of God works. But here's the other thing. I know the word of God is effective. So I'm praying that thing over myself in the middle of disease, in the middle of sickness. In the middle of, I'm going to trust him to take care of me in the middle of that. That he is more than enough. That, he, that he, he's got me covered. He knows all the days that are written for me. Before one of them comes to be, I'm not checking out until he says it's time to check out. Are you hearing me? Disillusionment. Disease, hey, that one comes out, see? That's easy. Disobedience. Some of you maybe have issues with children. Stop bickering at them. Start giving them Jesus. Start, spray, start, pray, start praying the truth of the scriptures over them. Some of you adult people here have teenage kids you don't know what to do with. Listen, God can handle disobedience. And maybe you ought to try a good dose of truth and a good dose of love simultaneously working together. And not just bickering and not just yelling and screaming. I mean, Tony Evans once said, he said, if all we have is, is love, it will always lead to rebellion. If all we have is truth, we always, it will always lead to rebellion. But if we take truth and love and we slam the two of them together, it will lead to a fruitful, godly life in the life of our children. And I absolutely believe that. I've watched it with my own kids. They have no want for, for, for anything where affection and love from their parents are concerned from the love of Jesus. And I've watched them understand the truth of the scriptures. And they just keep going. And that's not to boast. I've just watched it work. It works. Listen, disillusionment. We get so sidetracked on issues that don't matter. Your refrigerator breaking down doesn't really matter that much in the big scheme of things. And you allow that to disillusion you about how much God loves you and how much he wants for you and what he does for you. Maybe some of you feel like you're not capable of anything. Listen, you might feel disabled, but the scriptures tell me in Philippians 4.13, this word, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That bunker can come down, brothers and sisters. Huh? Huh. That was quick work. Look at that mess, would you? It's effective. It's powerful. It's strong. It's active. It's alive. What's your, what's, what's, what's your bunker today? What's, what's the thing that, that keeps you from knowing God like he wants you to know him? What's the thing that keeps you from, for some of you it might be addiction, for some of you it might be depression, for some of you it might be just a constant ongoing discouragement, for some of you it might be some sort of a family thing that has haunted you all of your life, it might be something like that. What, what is it? What is the thing that was built block by block, day after day in your life? Was it some kind of abuse that took place over you as a young child? Was it some kind of, of, of issue where, where, where you just couldn't excel or get over the hump and, and failure just became a part of life to you and so you just let that bunker be built brick by brick by brick by brick and you can't really see yourself doing all things through Christ who strengthens you? What is it? I can't name it for you. 
some of you today are sitting here, and I want to tell you this. The first way to start to knock the wall down, very first and foremost, you have to know the person of Christ. And you know every Sunday I'm preaching that like, it's no, like, like I have nothing else to preach because I really don't have anything else to preach. I'm not going to take for granted that every one of you sitting right here right now are good to go with your salvation. You are good to go for heaven. I'm just, I, just, I know better than that. People have sat in churches for years and never found the person of Christ. And one day the light clicks. Maybe today's your day. Huh? The first thing to do, you understand, is we all fall short. Every one of us falls short. Every one of us sin. And sin means to, 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 to displease God. Sin means to miss the mark. Sin means to mess life up. Sin, somebody, I said, I said sin is stupid. And we're all stupid. I said at the first service. Had Larry Walls want to be here. He said, you know what, he said, you know what sin stands for? I said, no. He said, stupid in nature. And I went, hey, I'm using that next service, brother. We are all that. But the good thing is, Jesus is the opposite of that. He knows life. He is the way. He is the truth. And he comes to each of us and says, let me cover your life. Let me let me cover your misgivings. Let me cover your your hope. Let me let me let me cover your 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 fears. Let me cover your failure. Let me cover you. And he says, "Let me come into your life." And he promises that if we let him in, he will change who we are and where we're going, and he'll give us heaven as the hope of our eternal home. That is awesome. And if you don't know him today, today can be the day. I don't stop. I won't quit proclaiming that. I don't care if I'm talking about tithing, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. You know, I don't care if I'm talking about, you know, systematic theology or something crazy like that, eschatology. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's all anything boils down to. He is it. Maybe you're sitting here and the wall has been built all around your life and you need to learn how to to allow it to be demolished by the word of God. That's a beautiful sight to me. Because I've watched too many people be bound. We were singing in the first service, and Patrick was singing a song about the lavishness of God's love. How's that go? I don't remember. Yeah, we're free, we're, we're rescued and redeemed. He was saying some things about that in the first service. And I saw, you know what I, I saw in that moment? I, I, I thought of some, some, some World War II video I saw where the, the Allied forces come in to free the people from the concentration camps. You guys you remember seeing those? And those people don't care what they're wearing. They don't care what they smell like. They don't care what their hair looks like. They don't care what clothes they have on or the lack they don't have any on. They know that they are free God's looking for people who want to be free, who stop worrying about things that don't matter to a whole hill of beans, who who, who, who would just walk and live and celebrate the freedom that God's given you. And if you're trapped behind walls, the forces of God's word and his power is available today to free you. Some of you, your your, your, your your biggest stronghold, your biggest fort is what other people think about you. You live every day hoping you can measure up. You live every moment wondering what people are thinking, what people are saying. You, you, you give in to things like, well, and who she thinks she is. You know, she thinks, it's obvious she don't care who I am. And blah, blah, blah. And then, and then she's thinking, and you've already, in your mind, you've lived all day all completely amped up about things you really don't know. 
and you've, you've fabricated this, this wall that you walk behind and live behind, let me tell you something. You are who God created you to be. You don't have to measure up anymore. There's this thing called grace Jesus gives us. And he gives it to us because none of us measure up. And you may have been a Christian understand salvation, but you still live in the understanding that you have to be this or be that or do this and do that. And no matter what you do, it doesn't, you can never seem to get there. God says, listen, my grace is sufficient. Time for you to walk in it. Stand with me. Today, oh, I, didn't even, I didn't even do that, did I? <laughs> Forget it. Today, if you're sitting where you are, if you're sitting in, in, in the service, and you'd say, you know what, Aaron, there's, no, don't say Aaron, because it's not about me. God, there's this bunker in my life, and I just realized it. Maybe for you, it's, it's not knowing Christ. You say, Aaron, there's a bunker. There's a fort I live behind. There's a, there's a, a prison I live under. I live trapped, imprisoned. God, I need to be free. Right where you stand right now. You say, I want to be free. I want to learn how to wield the word well so that I can come out from behind the wall. I can chisel away with the accuracy of the word of God and, 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 and live freely. The power of the Holy Spirit, I need, I need his power to grab the hammer and the chisel and begin to work that stuff out. Somebody, look around. I don't want you guys to look around. Forget that. Anybody, everybody who's, got, who, who's in that kind of predicament right now. You don't know Christ, and that's the biggest bunker you have right now. You can't believe God loves you. Hmm? He does. And now he has made all of this plan to us, plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Wow. Anybody else would say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trapped, I'm in prison. No time to be shy. You weren't shy last night when the Buckeyes were on the ropes like Syracuse was going to win the, win the match, win the game. Jesus, look around here right now, Lord. You, you promised us, God, that your word is quick and is powerful. God, it separates our thoughts and our intentions of our heart, God. And Lord, we ask, Jesus, that you would, you would do that right now. You'd begin to tear down those strongholds. But every morning we'd wake up, God, and we'd grab your word before we grab anything else. And we'd apply it to our lives, God. And we'd come out from behind the wall. God, we'd come out, that, that your bunker-busting word would tear the wall down. And we could go free, Jesus. Lord, Lord, help us, God, to know that your word is truth. It's power. It's strong. Let us grab it boldly and, and, and decisively, Jesus, and begin to live by the, by the word. God, you promise us, God, we have victory through the person of Christ who is the word of God. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would, you would give power and strength right now. Lord, we thank you for that. If you need prayer, I want you to come. And, and we've got some leaders who are right here in the front. Would you guys just come up this way? Any other leaders? Todd and Sveta. Some of you who raised your hand that you got issues, 
you got, you got, you got strongholds. Let us pray with you because you can't fight on your own. You can't overcome on your own. You can't fight the battle on your own. Let us pray with you and for you. One can put a thousand to flight, the Bible says. Two can put ten. You need your brothers and sisters.